27. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So, man, we're starting the book of Amos today, right? So the book of Amos, um, so this guy Amos is an 8th century prophet um, that was from the southern kingdom of Judah, right? But he prophesied, similar to Hosea, he prophesied to northern Israel. Remember, the kingdom split up into northern and south because of Solomon's sin. And he's prophesying to the north, the cats in the north. And he's a shepherd and this fig tree farmer. So he's going to use all this agricultural language to describe his prophecy. Um, but he's mainly going to rebuke injustice wherever it is found irrespective of person right even if it is among god's people right and that's his ministry right so um this is a collection of his sermons and poems over the years that have been collected and so we can peep in and see the things that god hates amos one so once again um we see here in chapter one, he's like, yo, Amos, prophet to Israel. But here we re- we have to remember that the prophets in scripture don't just speak to the people of God. They speak to the nations as well. So he's going to speak to all of these nations and he's going to speak specific oracles of judgment and indictments against all of Israel's neighbors. So Damascus. Damascus is spoken of as using iron sledges that pulverize other nations in violence. Gaza, this is a Philistine or Philistine city that was involved in slave trading where they would capture entire villages just for that purpose. Tyre, a Phoenician area, right, that was on the same wave as Gaza, right? However, it was only after they made a treaty with you saying, all right, we, we got y'all. We're going to be in an alliance with y'all. We got y'all back. Somebody mess with you. They messing with us. And then they turn on you um, like a snake. Right. These are the ancient equivalents of snakes. Right. Edom didn't just participate in slave trades of the day, but they were caught up in exterminating entire populations. Right. Ammon. Right. They were explicitly ripping open. The Bible says the stomachs of pregnant women. Right. Just gross sin. Moab. They burn the bones of a king of Edom, right? One of their enemies. And all of this shows, God is going to go on and on and on. All of this shows is every single person and nation is responsible to God for the injustice they've committed against fellow image bearers. Period. There's no there's no wiggle room in that. That is just true. Nothing is going to be swept under the rug. God sees it all and he's written he's given every single human being that lives if you're listening to this you're included a moral conscience right you know basic right from wrong i don't go into a store and take something that is not mine i don't go to people's house and take people that aren't mine right and so everybody has this moral conscience and god is like yo that is going to condemn you because you did not obey your conscience, right? And so God here is going to um, use the prophet Amos to point out these sins against the peoples of the world. Now, what's interesting is this. Um, geographically, if you look at all of these nations on a map, right, all of these nations surround Israel like a circle, right? Literally from the north, south, east, east and west. And we've said this before, surround 
Israel. And now he's going to move right to God's people in chapter two. And it's almost as if like the nations are caught up in all this sin. And then Israel is dead in the middle. The bullseye, if you will, caught in all of the crosshairs of the sins of the nations. I will not relent from punishing Judah for three crimes, even four. Because they have rejected the instruction of the Lord. That word in Hebrew is literally Torah, right? They have rejected the Torah of the Lord and have not kept his statues. The lies that their ancestors followed have led them astray. Therefore, I will send fire against Judah and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. He comes through and says, man, look, listen, 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 Judah. Y'all definitely don't have an excuse. You know why? Because I didn't just reveal myself to you through nature and through the conscience, the moral conscience of the heart. I gave you my law. Right? I gave you the word of God. And you specifically, acutely disobey. I will not relent from punishing Israel for three crimes, even four, because they sell a righteous person for silver and a needy person for a pair of sandals. Here he goes. Here he goes in again. And he's like, fam, y'all sold human beings into debt slavery for a lump sum of cash right like y'all sold people into slavery for money right and god is like like that doesn't even make sense and as i said it before martin luther king talks about and he's using it in a different context talking about chattel, chattel slavery in uh, uh um slave trade you know america the whole nine yards he'll say that a people saw um, slavery as so economically profitable that they made it morally justifiable, right? So economically profitable, like it must be okay. And you know what God is going to do? He does this so well. He goes on in his text in chapter two and he says, yo, I brought you from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness in order to possess the land of the Amorite. You see what he does? I love what God does when he talks about you know their salvation he always goes back to the salvation as the impetus and the motivation with which they ought to be fighting for the oppressed the reason they ought to had turned from injustice was because like yo y'all are selling people don't sell people into slavery because i brought you i'm the god of liberation i'm the god of freedom i'm the god of new creation i'm the god of salvation you ought to be looking to express that in tangible ways to your neighbor, right? We commit grave injustices. Yes, we forget God, but we also forget God's salvation, right? That lies at the heart of the identity of the people of God. Chapter three comes and, you know, this is for the person. Chapter three is for the person who will be like, nah, man, like, we good because we're God's elect, right? We're God's chosen people. We straight, right? And what Amos is going to show is that that doesn't make you immune from God's judgment, but in some sense makes you more fit for it, right? Because you um, are committed to rebellion in spite of the fact that God has chosen you, not because of it, right? So he's like, yo, got to say this. I've known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. In other words, the very thing that should make you humble, people of God, has made you prideful, right? The very thing that should lead you to being grateful has somehow made you boastful enough to presume upon my grace and think that you'd be able to get away with sin, right? And 
throughout the rest of the chapter, man, like he's going to use this poetic language um, through, through rhetorical questions to show the inevitable outcome of what is going to happen. Right. God is going to be characterized all throughout the book of Amos as this roaring lion. Right here. Um, this points to just, you know, God's fierce judgment that is coming upon his people. And we have to remember that, man, we, we have to remember, like our God, Jesus is a both a lion and a lamb. Right. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb who comes to sacrifice himself for sins and die for the sins of humanity. But he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah who is coming back at the end of time to make all things right and to judge his enemies. We forget when we commit injustice, especially as the people of God. Right. We have to remember that we don't just serve a lamb. We serve a lion. Right. Chapter four, finally in four, come to Bethel and rebel, rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tents every three days, offer leavened bread as thank as a Thanksgiving sacrifice and loudly proclaim your free will offerings for that is what uh, for that is what you Israelites love to do. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Very sarcastically, Amos is telling God's people to continue to come through with your religious worship. Keep pulling up. Come on. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to the prayer meetings. Keep coming to uh, the outreaches. Keep doing it all. This is only increasing your guilt before me. Why? Well, it's a major theme throughout the prophets, and it's summed up in one line in the book of Isaiah where he says, yo, God hates iniquity with a festival, right? Listen, listen, listen. We think that religious services and rituals like they did lead to forgiveness or in some way alleviate us of the sin we commit outside of the worship service. Right. But God is saying, listen, the irony is, is to come to my house before my throne and act as if you aren't living and treating people disgracefully is itself sin. Right. You come in here to alleviate your sin, but you coming while still doing the former is itself sin. And God will end off saying in a nutshell, listen, I sought to discipline you, but you did not return to me. Right. You did not repent. And the beauty of this whole thing is that once again, we see the long suffering character of God that even in the midst of some of the worst sin imaginable and thank God they didn't have camera phones back then but even in the midst of such wickedness and rebellion God gave them a chance to turn from it and return back to him my prayer is that if God is giving you a chance to repent today for anything that you would take this text as a warning sign to heed his call let me pray father we thank you that um god you've seen it all um and the beauty of the gospel is that in jesus you've paid for it all god i I pray that that truth would break us that it would lead us to be humble instead of prideful to be grateful instead of boastful and to not presume upon your grace to live out of that truth to help the world flourish and yet see the God who 